Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Today is Friday, May 5th, 2023, coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund has won a significant victory against the Mississippi state government, temporarily restoring Jackson residents' voting power and voice in how justice is administered in the city. <coughs> we'll talk with the executive director of the Mississippi ACLU to discuss how this uh, legal decision helps hold the Mississippi State GOP accountable for their blatant attack against the predominantly black capital city. Controversy is brewing in Georgia as Republican Governor Brian Kemp signs a bill granting an oversight commission the power to remove local prosecutors and DAs from their positions. We'll break it all down. New allegations have surfaced in the Clarence Thomas ethics scandal involving his wife, Jenny Thomas, and thousands of dollars of payments. These revelations have led to calls for massive reform, massive ethics reform at the Supreme Court. Also, folks, the April 2023 uh, job numbers have been released. Black unemployment goes down to a record low. Also, we'll be celebrating the life of icon Harry Belafonte by talking in an exclusive interview with one of his daughters, Gina Belafonte, as she talks about the impact of her father for the first time since he passed away. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Yeah. 
A temporary victory in Jackson, Mississippi, as a Hines County judge halts the implementation of a section of a controversial bill that would expand law enforcement in the capital city. Chancery Judge Dwayne Thomas issued a temporary restraining order on House Bill 1020. The bill would expand the jurisdiction of the state-run Capitol Police in Jackson and create a temporary court within a Capitol Complex Improvement District covering a portion of the city. That area is where most whites live in Jackson. Yep, the restraining order will be in place until Wednesday's motion hearing. That motion was won by the NAACP Legal Defense Fund on yesterday. I attended their uh, uh, Equal Justice Awards dinner last night, and Janae Nelson announced that decision at the dinner. Joining us now is Jarvis Dorch, the executive director of the Mississippi ACLU. Jarvis, glad to have you here. Um, again, for, for, folks, for folks who don't understand, uh, Repu Republicans in Mississippi, like we are seeing Republicans in Texas, in Florida, in Georgia, and numerous other states, uh, are using their legislative power, meaning controlling the state legislature, to determine what is happening on the local level. Exactly. I mean, when this bill came out, it was clearly a, an attempt by uh, certain people in the city to take over power of their neighborhoods, their part of the city. Um, this bill was expansive and covered the most affluent, most white uh, area of the city. These are people that are used to having political power over what happens in the city of Jackson. Um, they don't think they have that power anymore, so they went to the state legislature to get you know, their own police force, their own uh, judicial system. And even the, some of these uh, bills that passed this year gave them their own funding for infrastructure. The, and again, what I'm trying to get people to understand is that, and we broke the numbers down, this area, this capital complex, it's literally where nearly all of the white residents in Jackson lives. And I have yet to hear, and maybe, maybe you can share with us, I've actually yet to hear a rationale as to why this is needed? Well, I mean, the rationale they give is crime. And you can cover just about anything by, by screaming about crime. And we have had an uptick, especially in murders in Jackson. But, um, but, 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 but hold up. I had, yeah. I had a, state, a state official on about that last week. And, and, I, and I get that. But here's the question that no one seems to answer. Has there been an uptick in this area for exactly. all of Jackson? Because yeah. this doesn't cover all of Jackson. It no. only covers this capital complex. So have they shown any data of the crime in this capital complex? No, data isn't something they do at the Mississippi legislature. So no, they have not shown it. And you're right. This The capital complex started off as an area around downtown, around the capital building, state, uh, state office buildings. Um, they've expanded it towards Northeast Jackson, which is the majority, more, um, uh, more affluent, more white part of the city. And it's definitely not in the area where we have seen an uptick in crime. And we haven't seen resources put into those areas. Um, is it, actually, what we've seen with the Capitol Police expanding, we've seen police officers leave Jackson Police Department and go to Capitol Police because they get paid more. So, you know, it's, it's not really even add, if, if your idea is to add more police to, on the streets, you're not doing that. You're just shifting them down to another place. And look, if they actually want to impact that, how about this, Republicans? Give more money to the city of Jackson for law enforcement.
Yeah, I mean, and, that, and, that... and specify it should be used for salaries. Exactly. I mean, every time um, the city of Jackson has asked for funding or assistance, the state has said we're not going to do it. And if we do do it, we're going to do it in a way where we have control over it. Um, you actually have people leading this bill saying, well, we don't give money to police departments. A couple of weeks later, they were giving money to the local police departments, millions of dollars to build police stations in Pasigula, Mississippi, and other parts of the state. And these are people that were on the floor saying, well, we never do that as an excuse for, for doing it this way. Um, but we've seen that with the city of Jackson for decades now, where the legislature is like, we're not going to assist you unless we get to control how the money is spent. And that money is being spent in a, the most inefficient way. It would be much cheaper for the state to say, we're going to help the city hire more police officers, hire more, um, be able to um, increase, increase their infrastructure, improve the, the pay in the city. Those things would be much cheaper than creating something, um, you know, from scratch. Um, so the, the hearing is taking place on Wednesday. Um, what, what, and so, first of all, who, the, the LDF was involved in this. Uh, yes. So who actually will be leading the legal battle uh, to stop this from happening? So we're a group of um, a coalition of uh, organizations, the MacArthur Justice Center, which is a justice center at Ole Miss Law School, uh, ACLU Mississippi, the Mississippi Center for Justice, and LDF are all on, um, all on board with this lawsuit, along with some citizens that live in Jackson that are serving as plaintiffs. And we're going to see next week an attempt to get more a more permanent injunction on this bill to stop these uh, new courts from going into effect. All right, then. Uh, we certainly appreciate uh, you joining us, Jarvis, uh, to uh, assist with breaking down the story. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks, I got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about plus what's happening in Georgia, where, again, Republicans are using their power in the legislature to dictate what's happening on the ground. Keep telling y'all what's happening. This is, this is power. I keep telling you how they're using power. First, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, folks. Uh, we appreciate you doing so. Also, download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can also uh, be sure to watch us on Amazon News. If you go to Amazon Fire, click Amazon News. News, you can watch our 24-hour streaming channel, uh, 24 hours, seven days a week, right there on Amazon News. Uh, also, of course, uh, support us in what you do. Uh, your dollars make it possible. I'm sitting here. Somebody sent a check uh, right here uh, to us. Uh, and so, again, uh, send your check and money orders, folks, to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. And be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Brownie of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. We'll be right back. Up next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, our special guest, Alicia Garza, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. We're going to discuss her new book, The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. We live in a world where we have to navigate, you know, when we say something, people look at us funny, but when a man says the same thing, 
less skillfully than we did, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody boxed towards what they said, even though it was your idea. Right here on the frequency on the Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. We look at one of the most influential and prominent Black Americans of the 20th century. His work literally changed the world. Among other things, he played a major role in creating the United Nations. He was the first African-American and first person of color to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And yet today, he is hardly a household name. We're talking, of course, about Ralph J. Bunch. A new book refers to him as the absolutely indispensable man. His lifelong interest and passion in racial justice, specifically in the form of colonialism. And he saw his work as uh, an activist, an advocate uh, for the black community here in the United States as just the other side of the coin of his work trying to roll back European empire in Africa. Author Cal Rastiala will join us to share his incredible story. That's on the next Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. In Georgia, Republican Governor Brian Kemp signs a bill creating an oversight commission with the power to remove local prosecutors and district attorneys from their jobs. Kemp says the measure would create an oversight mechanism to ensure accountability in upholding Constitution and statutory duties. The commission will consist of eight members, five will be responsible for investigating um, any alleged conduct constituting grounds for discipline. The other three will be for adjudicating an adjudicating arm that issues out the punishment. Critics say this timing is really suspicious, especially with Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis seriously weighing charges in connect connection with former President Donald Trump's actions in Georgia after the 2020 election. 
Democrats are concerned the commissioners will misuse their authority to punish or remove local prosecutors unnecessarily. Let's go to my panel, who joins us today. Matt Manning, civil rights attorney, joining us from, from Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, we have, of course, Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network show. Of course, he is joining us uh, from Detroit. And Candace Kelly, she joins us right now, legal analyst uh, from New Jersey. Glad to have all three of you here. So let's, let's get right into this here. So when you look at Jackson, what's happening in Mississippi, you look at Georgia, you look at Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida going after um, prosecutors he doesn't like. Uh, Candace, this is absolutely Republicans using their power to silence progressives, using their power to exert control over black elected officials, the black population. Uh, it is an absolute abuse of authority uh, by the GOP in numerous places around this country, Georgia, Texas, Florida, Mississippi, you name it. Roland, you're absolutely right. And in fact, we have a, a, a violation of power uh, and authority from people who have already spoken. In other words, we have people who have already voted the GAs into office. We have people who have already voted for a certain system in Jackson not to be separated and have their equal, equal uh, rights violations, equal rights be violated. So here you have people who have already voted and heard their voices heard, and those voices are being taken away, which is why the NAACP is filing that lawsuit in Jackson. And one thing that we have to remember about the power that is being exerted by the Republicans in Georgia is that they're doing this, as you said, in preparation for the charges that are coming down on Donald Trump. This is something that that DEA has been preparing for for years. And she is not just preparing for these phone calls. She's preparing for the the uh, the fake electors. Uh, she has been doing this for years. She has trumped up her 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 security. She is death threat. She is all over white the white supremacist websites. This is someone who is going for the gusto. They know she is coming and they're using the power and actually legal power so far because it has not been protested. They are trying to go through a route that they know Trump has already laid down. He did this already in terms of uh, uh, voting in and making sure that the federal courts were built up with everyone who is a Republican. He's doing the same thing, and so are his political allies, by saying we're going to use the system and the power that we have to work in our favor. But we know that that DA in Georgia is not going anywhere, and that is what they most fear down there in Georgia. Um... Matt, the, the point that Candace makes is a crucial one. These are democratically elected people. The voters decided who they want to represent them based upon what they said as they were running. And so here you have Republicans who are saying, ah, damn that, we don't care what the voters decided, we are going to be the judge and jury to determine whether they're doing their job. You are so spot on, Roland. And what's especially interesting with this timing is last week, I literally got appointed to represent our local DA in a removal lawsuit where they're they're lobbying the same kinds of accusations against him. Uh, and I used to manage that office under him. And I was appointed by my local county to defend the lawsuit to remove him from office. 
And politically, that exact conversation is happening here in Corpus Christi as it is across the country. Uh, this is a political attack on him, and it's a political attack on anyone in, who's been duly elected, especially multiple times. The DA here, uh, Kim Gardner in St. Louis, across the country, these people have won multiple times and in landslides. And irrespective of that, you see Republicans directly attacking those offices, and they're doing so with the dog whistles that they know will be effective crime, uh, failure to do their duties, all of those things. And what's especially problematic about that is, at least in Texas and presumably everywhere else, these offices have great latitude, great discretion to do their jobs. Their job is to seek justice, not convictions. So the idea that somebody would be removed because somebody Monday morning quarterbacking you know, at the state house thinks that they're not getting enough convictions or are too lenient is not how the system works. And I think Candace hit the nail on the head with all of her comments. But one thing I would add to that is that I think that we're really in a constitutional crisis because what you see is a separation of powers issue where the legislatures across the country are deciding that duly elected uh, public officials should not be able to do their job in a way that they disagree, irrespective of if it's within the bounds of the law and the discretion that they're given. So. This is a huge issue, and this is a testament to what we talk about on this show every week, the idea that the Republicans are playing chess, not checkers, and they're looking at every way to exert power, particularly in the local um, offices where that has the greatest meaningful effect on people's lives. What happens at the school board affects your child's curriculum. What happens with your DA affects you know, the policies and whether those policies are rooted towards justice and rehabilitation or rooted towards deterrence and retribution. All of these things on the local level are very important, and that's why the Republicans have a full-on onslaught across the country against duly elected people uh, using the dog whistles and the, the fake rhetoric that we see. We know is not true, right? Because the reality is the law gives them this discretion. But if you know your base is not listening to that and your base is energized by the anger, then it's easy to foment that kind of uh, you know, support that we're seeing in these state houses in Texas and Mississippi, Florida, and so on. But Michael, I'll expand this. Uh, Matt brought it up in terms of how Republicans are targeting Kim Gardner, uh, the circuit attorney there in St. Louis. They also are trying to take over the St. Louis Police Department, no different mm -hmm. than then the governor controlling the Kansas City Police Department. For all of these people who love talking about uh, Big Brother, getting rid of big government and local control, it's amazing how they want to meddle in local affairs of locally elected individuals. Yes, Roland, but it, it's it's local affairs when it comes to largely African-American elected officials, when it comes to uh, African-American ran and uh, police departments. If we look at—I uh, think it's important to note that both of these states are in the South. Both are former Confederate states also. Okay, I, I, I think it's important to note that Mississippi and Georgia. With Mississippi, when I first heard this story in Mississippi, when the um, story came out April 23rd and Mississippi Today uh, reported on it, and I said, oh, I said, okay, Governor Tate Reeves, it looks like uh, they are doing this so they can have more control over police and African-Americans. But as I got deeper into the story, uh, the Capitol Complex Improvement District is is largely the white, more fluent area of Jackson, Mississippi. No, 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 not largely. Nearly mm -hmm. all whites in Jackson live in the complex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what this sounds like is the white governor, Tate Reeves, 
through the state legislature, this passed the House and the, and the state House and Senate, they're taking power away from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, led by Chokwe, Chokwe Lumumba, uh, African-American man, and they're, the, the state government is going to have more control over, it sounds like, protecting white people in Jackson, Mississippi. When you look at Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, and I have to take it here, I told African-Americans in Georgia back in 2018 when Stacey Abrams was running that Stacey Abrams' policies were better for African-Americans. So many of them were, were, said, oh, Stacey Abrams doesn't have a black agenda. I said, Brian, Brian Kemp has a black agenda. He has an anti-black agenda. Okay, hmm. and the anti-black agenda is worse than "quote unquote" not having a black agenda. But you look at this here. This it appears that this is designed to take away power for someone like a a, 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 a Fannie Lewis who is uh, going to right. prosecute Donald Trump. Well, okay? well, well. Again, again, what 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 we're looking at here is very simple, and that is Republicans not liking any policy or a leader that they don't like. What this is about mm -hmm. is them saying to the voters, the hell with who you elected. We don't care who you chose. We are going to determine how they do their job. Harris, when, when, the, when, the, when, when the folks in Texas want to control, again, to order a new election, and, and you pass a law that only applies to one of the 254 mm -hmm. counties in all of Texas. Mm -hmm. One. Harris County. Again, that is a that's targeting democratically elected folk who happen to be largely Democrats in Texas. That's how they're using their power. And so I'm gonna say it again. A lot of y'all can, a lot of y'all and some of the people who y'all know, and some of your family members and friends, y'all can listen to these yahoos, mm. these so-called new black media people. Folks who don't know jack about politics, y'all can listen to them talk all day. Y'all can listen to them talk about not voting. Y'all can listen to them to try to call somebody a shield, whatever you want to call them. What the Republican, listen to me very clearly, because those yahoos are not going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. The Republican Party is absolutely focused on limiting and eliminating black voices. Mm -hmm. It's fundamentally clear what they are trying to do. When you see the attack on Soros-funded DAs, they do not want to see the sister in Florida who we had on the other day. They did, they did not want to see Marilyn Mosby. They don't want to see Alvin Bragg. They don't want to see Fannie Willis. They, don't, they can't stand the white guy Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. They don't like mm. any, they hate Kim Gardner. They don't like mm. anybody. They hate uh, the white progressive DA in Los Angeles. They led, what I'm trying to get y'all to understand is if you sitting your ass on the sidelines, but you're talking about how you want certain policies, how are you going to get them? Mm -hmm. How are you going to get the policies you claim you want if the very folk who are put in office to give you the policies you want are stopped? When you have Aramis, when you had Aramis Ayala 
elected state prosecutor in Florida. No, I am not going to prosecute death penalty cases. Matt knows this. Any lawyer knows, Candace knows this. The district attorney has the prerogative mm -hmm. to determine That's right. what direction they're going to go in. This, this Brian Kemp law, the DA, let me be real clear. Everybody listening and watching, the district attorney does not have to pursue death, the death penalty in cases. They have an option. They don't have to pursue. That's why you have first-degree murder, second-degree murder, third-degree murder, manslaughter one, manslaughter two. I mean, you have different variations of murder. It's their judgment. What Republicans are saying is, we don't like your judgment. We mm -hmm. are going to judge and decide what you should do. So therefore, if the people work their butts off to go to the polls, to put Fannie Willis in, to put Kim Fox in, oh, we're going to remove them. And we don't really care what you think. We're going to remove them. DeSantis removed a white prosecutor in Florida. Andrew, was it Andrew Weber? I forgot his last name. I think so. He's going after the sister. Mm -hmm. Monique. He's going, y'all, this is real. And so when you sit out the gubernatorial race, that's how the Ron DeSantis is win. Mm. When you sit out the gubernatorial race in Georgia, that's how Brian Kent wins. When 75% of young voters 18 to 30 in Texas don't vote, that's how Greg Abbott gets reelected. And so if you're sitting here now going, well, this is a damn shame, what did you do about it? Mm -hmm. What did you do about the state Supreme Court in North Carolina? Folks, we're laying these things out to you because you need to understand the game plan that they are executing is completely focused on limiting and eliminating black representation unless you are a black Republican. Y'all better recognize because they're not stopping. They're going full steam ahead. And we had better respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage. 
as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
All right, folks, the black unemployment rate in America is now a record low. April job numbers came out today from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it shows that the black unemployment rate is now 4.7%. It was 5.0% in March. Now, remember when that black conservative was on the other day, Stacey, what's her name? And she lied about, oh, how great the economy was for black people under Donald Trump and caught in a record low? Stacy, this is what a record low looks like. So you were lying then, and you're still lying. This is the first time uh, in U.S. history that the black unemployment rate has fallen below 5%, while the overall joblessness rate for black people failed three-tenths of a percentage point. Uh, the unemployment rate uh, for black men dropped along with the unemployment rate for black teens. But for black women, the unemployment rate grew slightly following a March jobs report, in which they also reached a historic jobless low. The overall U.S. unemployment rate at its lowest point in 50 years at 3.4%. Dr. Patrick Mason, author of the, Economic, the Economics of Structural Racism, Stratification, Economics, and U.S. Labor Markets, uh, and a professor of economics at the University of Massachusetts, uh, Amherst, joins us right now. All right, uh, Patrick, glad to have you here. So, uh, when, we, when, we, when we look at uh, uh, these numbers, uh, when, when the Larry Summers of the world were like, oh, we got, we got to lower inflation, which means we got to cause unemployment to go up, which is still stupid to me. Uh, and the people are yelling, oh, how awful the economy is. I, just explain to me, if the economy is so awful, how do we keep setting unemployment records? Well, the economy is not as awful as people like Summers might want to make it. I mean, he's looking solely at inflation, and that's all he's worried about. I am much more worried about whether or not African-Americans have jobs, right? I mean, the, the best way to keep people out of poverty is to make sure that they have a job. The best way to make sure that people can pay their mortgage is to make sure they have a job. The best way to make sure that they can keep their children in college is to make sure they have jobs. Health insurance is tied to a job. So I am ecstatic to see these low employment numbers. And my hope is that the Fed will not keep pushing interest rates up so much till it choke off the jobs. I mean, why, why choke off uh, the best economy we've seen in a long time? I mean, yeah, that's, that's why I, I, I'm just sitting here. I, I, I just sort of laugh when, when I see these people uh, run around and talk about, oh, my God, the economy is just so awful, and things were just so amazing for black people under Donald Trump. No, <laughs> hardly. I, uh, actually, things have begun to improve, and, and the good news about these uh, unemployment rate numbers is that they are true reflections of the level of joblessness. Um, another number that I like to look at is the employment to population ratio, which is just the probability that a person has a job. That number is now higher for African Americans than it was in March of 2020 when the pandemic shutdown struck. So it's about 57.8% then. The employment population ratio is about 60% now. So the probability of having a job is higher. You know, sometimes the unemployment number will, will go down 
just because people will stop looking. But that's not what's happening in this case. The unemployment number is going down because people are getting jobs. And I think it's a fantastic thing when people are getting jobs. And, and, and it puts to lie another uh, myth that's often heard about African Americans is we don't want to work. Well, we work when there are jobs available and people hire us. And right now, you're seeing the unemployment numbers are low. That means that people who might not otherwise have jobs, they're, they're working and, 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 and improving things for their families. Well, and again, this is just what, this is just what just, just befuddles me uh, when, when we see, again, how the economy is being described. And, and now we're seeing also inflation coming down. We're now seeing supply chain stabilize. So all of the stuff before, all oh, the empty shelves and, you know, waiting six and nine months for furniture, we're seeing how after two years, two and a half years of COVID, how all of those things that impacted the supply chain, which impacted, which impacted inflation, but really it was also the greed of many companies that was causing inflation. Uh, we're seeing how these forces are moving together. And so it's just wild to me how these people are assuming, they're just mm -hmm. assuming that, that this is just a terrible, awful, like I said, we had some black conservative on who was like, oh my God, this Biden economy is just the worst. It's just destroying the entire country. And I literally travel around the country and I'm like, what world are you living in? Well, I mean, there are these people out here who just have, have crazy ideological beliefs. You know? They'll say anything, but the numbers don't lie. The unemployment rate is historically low. The employment population ratio is up high than uh, has been in a long time. The uh, earnings have gone up. So, and if you look at for most households, especially for most African-American households, uh, income is, is mostly earnings, wages, uh, paycheck income. There's not a lot of property income. So earnings are higher. More people are working, uh, men and women. Uh, this is a very good economy. And inflation, from my perspective, is not out of hand. It's not, not an outrageous number. And I just hope the Fed does not keep raising interest rates and raising interest rates to the point where we, we choke off this economy that's trying to go to what would be full employment for us. Now, I think the current rate of 4.7% sort of shows you how bad unemployment is for African-Americans. I mean, typically, when white American unemployment is at 4.7% or 5%, that's a recession number. But our numbers have been so high for so long that when we get to what is really a recession number for white Americans, we, we celebrate. Well, I want to see that unemployment number get down even lower, right? So that everybody out there who wants a job will have one. And also, the good thing about a low unemployment rate is it gives bargaining power to workers, right? To workers who, who have a job that isn't paying enough, this low unemployment rate 
put them in a position where they can go in and ask for a raise. If they don't get it, they can go somewhere else. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, uh, Patrick Mason, we appreciate it again, folks. He is the author of The Economics of Structural Racism, Stratification, Economics in U.S. Labor Markets. Uh, we certainly appreciate uh, you joining us. Thank you so very much. All right, folks, got to go pay some bills. We'll be right back. Roller Martin and Fulcher on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, what does it mean to actually have balance in your life? Why is it important and how do you get there? A masterclass on the art of balance. It could change your life. Find the harmony of your life. And so what beat can you maintain at a good pace? What cadence can keep you running that marathon? Because we know we're going to have, you know, high levels. We're going to have low levels. But where can you find that flow that harmonious pace that's all next on a balanced life on black star network What's up, what's up? I'm Dr. Ricky Dillard, the choir master. Hey, yo, peace world. What's going on? It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Gilchrist left her Brandon, Florida home on April 19th. The 13-year-old is 5 feet, 3 inches tall, weighs 102 pounds, with black hair and black eyes. Anyone with information about Kalia Gilchrist is urged to call the Hillsborough County, Florida Sheriff's Office, 813-247-8200, 813-247-8200. Folks, uh, in a stunning turn of events, St. Louis, Missouri's Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner resigned from her position amid allegations of negligence. Gardner faced intense scrutiny in recent months with Republican leaders in the legislature, including Attorney General Andrew Bailey, calling for her ouster. Bailey launched a legal effort to remove Gartner from office in February, citing too many cases, including homicides going unpunished under her watch. 
Gardner, the first black woman to hold uh, the position of circuit attorney in St. Louis, uh, has endured massive criticism from both sides of the political spectrum. Some have praised her for her efforts to reform the criminal justice system and her commitment to prosecuting police officers accused of misconduct. However, others have accused her of mishandling high-profile cases and failing to prosecute violent criminals adequately. Uh, her resignation will be effective June 1st. No word on who will replace her. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Um, I, we've interviewed her several times on this show. I mean, they have been going after her from day one. Yeah, they have. They weren't happy at all about her being elected in what you see with prosecutors that, you know, the powers that be, if you will, don't want to get elected is they start out never giving them the benefit of the doubt, not allowing the policies to work, picking apart every little data point that they can to show that they're either ineffective or incompetent. And that's what's happened with Kim. And it's especially the truth when you have somebody like Kim who is uh, internally very strong and is not going to cower and is not going to back down irrespective of whoever is opposing her. So, you know, that that didn't help her in terms of necessarily making friends. But this is precisely the kind of politician that you should want, a person who says what they're going to do and then does what they said they were going to do. And that's been the problem is, you know, there are people who cannot deal with her strength, I think, realistically. Now, I think there are some objective uh, questions about the office and whether it's working the way it should be. Um, as you said, uh, both sides of the aisle have had criticisms, but that's inherent in a job like this, particularly one where a prosecutor is given a lot of latitude to make the decisions that she thinks are appropriate. You know, everybody reading headlines first never knows how the criminal justice system works. And two, ascribes to that prosecutor all of the responsibility for things, quote, going wrong, when in reality, there are a lot of other players in the criminal justice system that don't always get that same focus. So it's unfortunate what we're seeing um, with Kim, and I hate to see that she resigned, but I do appreciate, you know, the strength and the fortitude that she had, even in indicting the governor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know those charges were ultimately dropped. But that takes a great deal of courage to say, we think we have the evidence on a person that's powerful and we're going to bring an indictment. And, you know, I'm just glad that she served the citizens the way she did. And the, the final point I'll make is I do like that this is really a sacrificial move. Uh, my understanding is she brokered a deal that she would actually resign so that the people of the city of St. Louis might still have the opportunity to popularly elect their DA. Um, I understand she's embattled, but that's a really important part that cannot go unstated here, that she's resigning so that the people still have the opportunity to choose their prosecutor. And that should be the most important part here, because it's the people who determine who's in that office, not other representatives who want to make their names on the political headlines, including this attorney general who seems to be trying to steal every headline he can anytime something comes up. And presumably he's, you know, got his sights on some higher office. So I think there's more at play here than questions about her, uh, you know, performance. Um, Candace, we had her on a couple of months ago talking about uh, this very uh, issue with the attorney general. Uh, and again, it, it, it has been a constant, constant attack uh, on her uh, repeatedly. Um, she um, said uh, today that, that you had... Uh, judges. You had judges who were literally telling lawyers uh, to leave her office uh, was good for your career. I mean, so she, mm. so she, I mean, she was dealing with a whole lot uh, of stuff from various quarters. She was. And, and Roland, here's what's key. Like Matt said, 
They were nitpicking at her, and they're not done. They will more than likely bring her up in charges uh, in the future for failing to carry out and perform her duties. I think one of the interesting things, and you just touch upon this, is that as the judges were telling attorneys to leave the office, they were following uh, that advice, and they were leaving the office. When you have an office like Kim's that doesn't have enough money, what happens is that all of the attorneys, they get bogged down with these cases. So people have to understand that the strategy was not just with Kim. The strategy was with everybody who worked with her. Because with you give an attorney too much of a caseload where they really can't perform or carry out their duties in a way that rises to the way that they were sworn in by the American Bar Association, then you fall into the arena of malpractice and malfeasance. And nobody wants that. So if your casework, if your caseload is too much and you don't have people helping you, you now your mentors have even gone that have been helping you on your caseload because you might be some new attorney by two and a half years, you get out of there because you might be brought up on charges for not doing your job because the workload is just too much. So their strategy was get her people out, get Kim out, and just create havoc in the office, and that's exactly what they did. Michael, uh, Sheik also complained that uh, they were essentially defunding her office, making it difficult for her uh, to actually hire other people as well. Uh, and she said that, that that's what was going on. And so uh, she's like, it just happened over and over and over again. Yeah, Roland, you know, um, I, I remember under the Trump administration, um, uh, St. Louis Circuit uh, Attorney uh, Kim Gardner was attacked uh, basically by uh, Attorney General William Barr. Uh, so she has—Republicans have been after her, as they have been many other uh, progressive DAs, especially African-American female uh, progressive mm -hmm. DAs as well. And when they are trying to utilize the law that is perceived as being fair— somewhat fair to African-Americans and not trying to over-prosecute for low-level offenses and things of this nature, you get this huge backlash, uh, especially at the state level, largely controlled by white people, and here you're controlled by white Republicans. So this, the, the, the recurring theme through these few segments, Roland, has been power when it comes to politics, understanding power and how to utilize power to uh, vote the people in the office to bring into existence the policies that we want. This so is the interview. We have to remain this, vigilant on this. This is the interview when she was on our show two months ago. This is uh, something that's to me, is shocking, but at the same time, we know what it is. This is a politically motivated attack by the unelected attorney general and the actual governor who, who from day one, since he's been in office, has tried to take my duties as the elected prosecutor in the city of St. Louis. So, first of all, what authority does he have to, quote, fire you? You're elected. Well, well that's the problem. You know, right now in Missouri, we're participating with so, again, if y'all want to see the interview we did with Kim Gardner, it's on our YouTube channel. I was trying to show you right there. You heard some of that. Uh, again, five days ago, uh, she was saying, uh, Matt, she wasn't going to resign. Uh, but clearly, things had just simply gotten out of hand there, and she was literally left with no choice. I just sent her a text. Um, and so hopefully uh, she'll be joining us. Um, in fact, uh, she actually just uh, hit me, um, uh, just hit me back. Um, and uh, and this is what so this is what she just texted me is to keep to what you said, Matt, is to keep ability is to keep the ability for the people 
to be able to elect their circuit attorney and local police control. The Republicans have a supermajority in the House and the Senate, and they had the votes. We currently do not elect our judges. The governor appoints them, and we would never be able to elect our circuit attorney. And so she, of course, uh, submitted uh, that letter uh, of resignation as well. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Well, here's the problem with that, Roland. As I was reading about that, I was concerned. I mean, I don't know how you can actually enforce that deal. So, I mean, I, I like it. I like the spirit of it. And I'm a supporter of Kim Gardner. I think we need more Kim Gardners uh, leading us around the country with the fortitude that Kim has always shown. But the problem is, if they do have a Republican supermajority, I don't know how she can prevent, via her resignation, them just you know, implementing the same plan they were trying to implement. And that's what concerns me. Um, I appreciate her sacrifice here, but I don't know if it's something that will be enforceable. And that's what concerns me. And the thing about this that is so disingenuous and so dishonest is these Republicans are the same people who sit in DA's offices and say that their daughter, Muffy, just had a lapse in judgment and she should get mm. the leniency that they don't like if some kid across town who lives in the part of town they don't care about has the same offense, he should have the book thrown at him. And that's what disgusts me about this, because these are the same people who will find a way to one-off any kind of, you know, uh, criminal offense or accusation if it's advantageous to him. But if it's, you know, us, we're mongrelized, right, and made to seem uh, as criminals. Case in point, Ken Paxton has been under indictment under Texas law for seven years, seven years for securities fraud. He hasn't been, a di hasn't been prosecuted a day in his life. But if you pick up a simple offense down the road and the case gets dismissed, now the DA is not doing his or her work. And it's it's a shell game and it's it's all a sham. But the problem is, you know, in the state houses, they have these, this power. And a lot of these legislatures um, have specific laws that allow them to implement these kinds of things. And what's scary about it as a voter and as a citizen is the idea that, as Candy said earlier, you elect a DA and then the powers that be in the state house don't like her, and they just decide that your decision does not matter, right? At which point, I mean, I don't know where you stop it, but it becomes a slippery slope, because when when do you stop, basically, if they decide we're not going to have elections anymore, right? Or we're going to change the term limits unilaterally. The more of this kind of thing happens, the more we should be concerned as citizens um, about you know the the longer effects of that and how that affects democracy in general. I think we're in a, a democratic crisis right now in this country, and we're seeing that play out. Yep, well, indeed we are. Um, Candace, Matt, um, Michael, I certainly appreciate the three of you being with us today uh, on today's panel. Uh, thank you so very much, folks. When we come back, exclusive interview with Gina Belafonte, uh, one of the daughters of Harry Belafonte. She joins us next. Of course, her father passed away on April 25th, uh, and she will share her thoughts and reflections on an amazing, amazing life from the perspective of one of his loved ones. Philip Agnew, also the Dream Defenders, been in Cuba for the past week, uh, will join us as well. And so we will continue our appreciation, our tributes to the great Harry Belafonte next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstone Network. We talk about blackness and what happens in...
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Black culture. We're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Up next on the frequency with me, D Barnes, our special guest, Alicia Garza, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. We're going to discuss her new book, The Purpose of Power How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. We live in a world where we have to navigate. You know, when we say something, people look at us funny, but when a man says the same thing less skillfully than we did, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody boxed towards what they said, even though it was your idea. Right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. He's found a way to do it, and he's inspired, like, generation after generation after generation, you know, to continue in his footsteps. He also challenges artists. Yes, he does. Uh, he is not one to be shy. You can't and- be down with Mr. Belafonte if you're not willing to do something. You know, it's just the way that he is. It's, it's the way the whole family is, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm here with Gina and just the, the entire family and just really, really genuine 
good people who are maybe in Hollywood, but Hollywood's not in them. You know, so so just he knows what's important and he's instilled that in his legacy that will continue to carry on. And I think what's the most important is that he his legacy is not just singing, it's not no. just acting, but really putting it on the line that frankly uh, has been deemed by many people to be far more important than the artist piece. It's the activist piece. Sure, sure. I mean, but that's the that's the that's the piece of humanity that's the most important. I mean, sure. It's important what you do, you know, as a career, as your art and everything like that. But he injected that into his art and he injected, you know, life and humanity of, 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 of social justice in the world and just making the world a better place. He never shied away from that in, at times when many other people did and, and he could have and uh, probably benefited from it a lot more. But he didn't. And he's a, that's a very bold, bold man. April 25th when uh, the world found out that Harry Belafonte passed away at the age of 96 at his home in New York City. It was four years ago when he uh, retired from, from public life and he of course uh, led an amazing, amazing life. Um, uh, interviewed him numerous times, talked to him and he was just engaged in so many different areas uh, all across this country and across this world. Uh, very pe very few people knew him as well as my next guest, Gina Belafonte, one of the daughters of Harry Belafonte, of course, uh, co-founder with him with Sankofa. Uh, she joins us right now. Uh, Gina, glad to have you here on the show. Certainly uh, our condolences to you uh, and the Belafonte family um, with the loss of truly a true, true giant. For us, he was an artist, he was a singer, he was an actor, he was an activist. But for you, he was dad. Yes, he was. Thank you so much for having me today. If you hear any other little background noises, I have some dogs. So just ignore it's all right. them. It's all good. Thank you for having, having me. Uh, and thank you so much for spending so much of your precious airtime on celebrating him and his life and his legacy and uh, all the amazing work and art that he was able to create while he was with us. Well, we were, um, of course, in New York last year for his 95th birthday. So many people came out for that celebration. Uh, he wasn't there physically, but was watching the stream uh, as well. Uh, and uh, it really was uh, a great uh, celebration uh, that you and others put together. Uh, and uh, so just, just, just take us through um, just um, the, 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 the family perspective of who uh, he was, as opposed to what everyone else knows from the, the, the public persona of Mr. B. Well... I mean, all of us, his children at least, we all have different um, relationships with him. 
and the way some of us have worked with him quite intimately and others just sort of, you know, walk through the world with him as dad. Um, he was certainly a force of nature for us all. We understood very clearly that he was busy at work. Um, there was lots to do. There still is lots to do. And he um, made very specific and strategic choices for himself and his life. And um, as a father, he was an incredible mentor. He was a, a wonderful support system. Um, I think probably all of us can say we had wished that there were ways in which we could have had him more in our lives, personally. Um, but I, you know, I was gifted with the opportunity to work with him on a, on a couple of different levels. When I first started working with my father, um, I was his acting coach. Um, so aside from him coming to all of my shows and guiding me and mentoring me through my, um, you know, inter navigating the entertainment business and, and my career as an actor at the time, he asked me to come on board as his acting coach. And I worked on four or five different films and television shows with him you know, guiding him through the different characters. We would work very hard on those. My father was a very serious um, kind of method actor. And so he took a lot of time and care in trying to figure out all the nuances of the characters. And so I had the gift of having that kind of intimacy with him. And then later in our lives together, in our careers, we worked in uh, doing the founding of Sankofa.org, where we were able to really pull together art and activism um, and use art as a tool to educate and to motivate and activate folks to um, participate in their civic uh, responsibility and also inform them of what was going on in the world. And we used art to do that. And in many cases, art has a way of sort of opening up your heart, opening up your mind so that you can actually hear the issues um, and make some informed decisions for yourself. It, it, it has to be, though, difficult when, and this is not just um, uh, for you and your three siblings, it's the case for the children of entertainers and other public figures, uh, to have to share your dad with the world. Uh, the number of people who, who he called, who called upon him. Uh, he was, uh, before he retired in public life, was extremely busy traveling, doing those different things, was always doing something, engaged in something, uh, working on different projects. Uh, and um, that's, I mean, look, I mean, we all like, love to, as you say, do, do spend more time and do more with our parents, but you literally had to share him with the world. Right. Well, depending on, you know, what your belief is, mine is that I, I somehow, um, you know, came into the world with that contract. Um, it might not have been a conscious understanding as a child growing up, but as an adult, um, I have done a lot of work uh, in my own journey as a human being, being on this planet, um, to understand that, you know, there are a lot of people that needed him. There are a lot of people that needed him so that they could be validated. There's a lot of people that needed him so that they could be um, uplifted and um, so that their platforms could rise. And, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, my, the humanness in it all, you know, you want to, you know, not only protect your parent, but you also want them to see you and to recognize you and to, you know, think and be proud of you and all those things. And luckily for me, I got that from him. Um, I... 
you know, walk through the world. There's lots of other organizations that are doing very good work on behalf of him and his name. And, but, you know, but he's my father. So th that never will change. Um, the kind of intimacy that we had that no one can ever take that away from me. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think, I think that what he was able to gift the world and how he was able to empower people, how he was able to, in some ways, be an example to, um, to admire and to aspire to, I think, um, you know, I'm glad that we had to share him, you know, I know, you know, I can't, I can't unwrite his own journey and his own path and the way he chose. I mean, he made very conscious decisions to do what he did. He knew what he was doing. Um, so, and, and I think part of that was for me, <clears throat> my own growth as a person to more deeply understand his choices. I don't make necessarily the same choices that he makes as it relates to my parenting skills and the way of my relationship with my daughter. But I do appreciate that he walked his talk and he did what he needed to do for his journey. And I um, am deeply appreciative that I, growing up, also gravitated to what he was interested in. Um, not everyone in my family wanted to do things the way he wanted to do them. I personally really dug the way he did the things that he did. I liked the way he had a strategy around something. I liked the way in which he chose what he wanted to do and what he didn't want to do. Um, you know, it's interesting because I came to my father many times with many different ideas and things that he just shot down. And <laughs> I mean, it could have ruined me, you know, but instead what it did is it reinforced in me that there must be a better idea inside. And with all the things that he shot down, there were more than double the things that he said, yes, let's do that. That makes sense. That's exciting. You know, so I, you know, he, he's instilled in me, um, a, a way to look at walking through the world in a strategic and very intentional way. And I'm grateful for that. Um, Got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, we'll continue uh, our conversation with uh, Gina Belafonte, uh, with uh, celebrating the life and legacy of her father, Harry Belafonte. Folks, uh, YouTube folks, be sure to hit that like button. Also, be sure to download our Black Star Network app. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. If you want to see uh, the other tributes that we have paid to Mr. B, uh, you can always um, catch that um, as well uh, on the Black Star Network app. Um, um, and then, of course, uh, you can also uh, support our work and what we do uh, by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, check in money orders, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo's RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a back. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
question to folks uh, who are watching who may not realize when we dedicated our studios here in Roland Martin Unfiltered, we uh, unveiled this uh, portrait of Mr. B. This was actually commissioned. It was an artist um, who uh, did this uh, when the gathering um, had their, um, had their um, fundraiser, the Apollo Theater. Um, I think it was in 2017, I think. I mean, it was an earlier. I actually uh, emceed uh, that event, and so uh, I remembered it and uh, had it uh, commissioned uh, for our office. And, uh, and, and Gene, it was interesting. I, I called him. Uh, we unveiled it and, and did, not real, did not realize it was actually, when I called him, it was actually the same, I believe, the night when Sidney Poitier passed away. Because um, the news came out the next day, uh, and and obviously, uh, I mean, you know, I uh, thought uh, tremendously uh, uh, about uh, a great deal about uh, your father and, and and what he did because he, he truly was, as you as you said before we went to the break, somebody who did what he said. Yes, yes, he did. Absolutely, he did. He was um, not afraid to you know make his point clear. But, you know, one thing that he really also was, I think, especially as it related to the movement in particular, and also in his artistry, he was a good listener. You know, he really wanted to hear perspectives, objectives. He didn't, he wasn't a person who just quickly, you know, moved. He, he really heeded to Dr. King's Kingian nonviolence. He suspended his first judgment and he tried his best, I think, to lean into listening to different perspectives and understand more deeply what people were trying to convey, what they were doing before he then put his own brilliant strategy or spin on it. I mean, he was an expert strategist. Um, a lot of people know that not only was he a big funder of the 1960 civil rights movement, but a deep strategist within that movement, uh, liaisoning between elected officials and the movement, um, certainly being an intermediary between different movement fractions and factions in uh, during that period, um, very closely in line with his dear friend, uh, Dr. King. And he... Also, to this day, in this more modern movement, you know, um, continued to be a strategist and a mentor for young people who were looking for the roadmap, um, which he pointed them in the directions. And many of them deeply understood and understood that they needed to get an education in the history of the movement and, be, and before the 60s, you know, movement as well, we needed to have a deeper understanding of how we got to where we were so that we could have a deeper strategy on how to shift and change, you know, things. Uh, we're you, still working on that. You, you, t you talked about uh, him being uh, a listener. It was, um, I guess, when he got honored at the National Action Network. Uh, that had, I think it was, that was 17. So, um, <laughs> so... I walk up to him, uh, and he turns. Uh, and anybody, and anybody who knows me knows uh, I'm not one uh, who uh, uses the N word. He goes, he turns. Think of when you taking me to lunch. <laughs> I look, yeah. I looked at him and I went. I said, no, we're going to talk about this N-word thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, I thought you were going to say to me that you turned to him and you said, nigga, where you want to go? <laughs> no, it, it, I, it, it, I did say, I did say, uh, 
So when you want to go, he was like, I said, look, I said, you don't let me know. Uh, so we worked the day. I got, I got on the train. We came to New York. Uh, uh-huh. We settled on Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Manhattan. Nice. And so we, so we're sitting there, and he was working on a book, and yeah. and we were, and so we're talking, and and I'm trying. I want to listen to him. He's like, no, I want to listen to you. He's like, oh, I, he was I, he big goes, like he goes, that. He goes, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, he was not a person who just wanted to run his run his mouth. He wanted to really. And I said no. I want to hear. He like he said no. I want to hear what you think. He said, so <laughs> I, I'm, I got some questions for you, and I want to hear what you think about all these things. And I'm like, I'm not trying to say that. I want to hear what you... So we like going back and forth. I'm like, okay, fine, ask your questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he was, he was interested in what other people thought and what their perspectives were, and he wanted to see if there was a way in which he could support not only what they were doing, but maybe offer them a, a different strategy or a different way to look at, uh, you know, whatever it is that they were trying to accomplish. Um, he, he, he was so fond of you, Roland. He, he, you know, really believed in your, your platform, your work. He believed in the way in which you wanted to um, be unapologetically black in the space and really give us a platform where we can be who we truly are and speak the way we speak and, and, and say what's on our hearts. And, um, that is something that I hope you know. Um, he, he was very, very, very fond of you and really appreciated you. Probably one of the funniest things, so he calls me. So this is before the um, Many Rivers um, mm-hmm. uh, Festival. So, um, so he calls me, and so he's, he's trying to drive attention for the event. And mm-hmm. so phone rings, um, and it was always hilarious because uh, he always blocked his number. So it was like right. no caller ID. So I was like, oh, who the hell? So I answer, uh, hey, this is Roland Martin. Uh, hello. I was like, Mr. <laughs> B, how do you know it's me? I said, who the hell else sounds like this? <laughs> I said, nobody else sound like this. And he just busts out laughing. He just cracks up laughing. Oh. And, and that was the thing that, 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 that people, I don't think, again, People would see him speak, and they would they would they would just do all this, but had had no idea he had an his sense of humor, ridiculous sense of humor. Yes, he did. He did. He was. He liked to tell jokes. He liked to uh, definitely uplift people and make people laugh. And he he was a very 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 funny and very witty um, person. Um, and thank goodness, because he was so articulate, um, about the issues and about his conviction, um, of them and his conviction of what it was that he wanted to accomplish. So, um, he, he was very funny and always, you know, found a way in which to, you know, have his humor come through. And, and, and he, he absolutely understood, um, in terms of, uh, when the race um, uh, is finished. What I mean by that is when we, so when he made that phone call, so we come to New York and we sit down and do the interview. Um, and when the interview was over, we're sitting there and we're, 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 we're or, or maybe it was before they were setting up. That was after, it was after. And we're talking, he said that, um, that he had just gotten over a bout with pneumonia. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said, I almost canceled this interview. Um, and, and he was, he was talking and he, and, and I saw, so I saw at a former producer who was talking about that at this, at this discussion, he was talking about death. No, he wasn't. He was not talking about, 
what he was what he was t- talking to me because first of all I'm like he was talking to me he wasn't talking to me mm-hmm. he, he he said this may be my last interview of this type and mm-hmm. he was preparing the withdrawal from public life sure uh, and and he was and, and we we talked about the different things that he was working on um, and, and in fact two years later when. Um, I went to the XQ America event in New York. Um, he actually, uh, they actually played this video, uh, and I reached out to them, uh, and I, because I remember, I remember watching it then, and was just blown away by it. But, but also, what he had to say uh, about what he did in his life, but even in that, the call to action. I want to play that, and then talk to you on the flip side. Play, y'all go ahead and play it. I am very sorry that I'm not able to be with you in person. Uh, This is, a matter of fact, maybe my last hurrah. But I want to welcome all of you here to tell you that I think uh, everything I've done with my life, all that I've tried to do with the many people I've encountered, from Paul Robeson to Dr. King to Nelson Mandela and others, I've walked my journey, and I don't think that uh, there's much more left for me to say. If you happen to catch me on the street with a camera, or you happen to catch me in some public place, then I'm going to be sure I don't uh, do anything that will embarrass anyone. But I do think that uh, I've made the last walk uh, I think I've done my turn. And I just want to get out here and observe the unisys, the universe that I am leaving behind with a sense of satisfaction that uh, I've done all I could do and wanted to do and was able to do. And now it's time for those who have inherited the history of the civil rights movement, the history of the struggle. Uh, It's now your turn to get out there and bring a rewarding closure to this endless struggle for equality in this place that calls America the land of the free. I've often reflected on that statement, the land of the free. Free to do what? Free to be what? Free to say what? Uh, It's not been that free for many of us, but before this is all over, it will be. And a lot of that is dependent on where you take it. Thank you. That was playing. It was it was just stunning to watch it because.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Said, I've done all I could do and I want to do, and now it's your turn. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, different people age differently. You know, you look at a person like Norman Lear, you know, and, and then you look at, it, you know, someone like Sidney, who really retreated from public life. I yeah. think my father understood in some ways what was happening to him physically more than anything else. I mean, to the end, my father was very, um, you know, communicative. If you asked him a question, he could answer it kind of a thing. But I think that, you know, it just became more difficult for him to pull for the words and more difficult for him to struggle to articulate. You know, he's such an articulate person. And I think he wanted to leave the world with an image of himself Mm. that was intact, that, you know, you know, we didn't think of someone who was diminished. And, um, you know, he, he, like I said, he's, you know, he's a high school dropout and such an articulate person. He was able to pull uh, from his own you know, study words and sentences, phrases and sentiments that, you know, and, and so had such a beautiful, you know, use of language. Um, so I think that, you know, I think he wanted to pass the baton quite specifically to um, a, a lot of people, you know, who need to carry it forward. It's going to take a, a lot of us to get this work together and done. And, um, you know, he... He, he did. He did. He did all that he could do. I mean, at that point in his life, what more did, could we draw from him um, that he hadn't already put forward for us to carry forward? Um, what there were, you know, it's interesting because 
I think he also understood that in some ways, um, whatever new models or approaches we might come up with moving forward, they were not things that were at his own um, um, imagina imagination or disposal. You know, he he was a craftsman for much of the architecture alongside some of the most brilliant minds of the civil rights movement. And he learned from his peers. He learned from Dr. King. He learned from Fannie Lou Hamer. He learned from Bayard Rustin. He learned a lot from all those people and did his best to take their legacies and continue to move it forward and instill it in all of us um, and challenged all of us to learn and understand the deeper truths of all of them. And I think that, you know, he was speaking his absolute truth that, you know, it's time and it has been time for some time for us to, you know, carry the mantle forward and trust in each other and really do the work. Hold tight one second. Uh, Got to go to a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Gina Belafonte, one of the children of Hare Belafonte. Of course, the actor, singer, activist, humanitarian, philanthropist, you name it. He had lots of titles, a true renaissance man, who passed away April 25th at the age of 96. You're watching this continuing tribute to him on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, we look at one of the most influential and prominent Black Americans of the 20th century. His work literally changed the world. Among other things, he played a major role in creating the United Nations. He was the first African-American and first person of color to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And yet today, he is hardly a household name. We're talking, of course, about Ralph J. Bunch. A new book refers to him as the absolutely indispensable man. His lifelong interest and passion in racial justice, specifically in the form of colonialism. And he saw his work as uh, an activist, an advocate uh, for the black community here in the United States, as just the other side of the coin of his work trying to roll back European empire and Africa. Author Cal Rastiala will join us to share his incredible story. That's on the next Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. Up next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, our special guest, Alicia Garza, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. We're gonna discuss her new book, The Purpose of Power, how we come together when we fall apart. We live in a world where we have to navigate. You know, when we say something, people look at us funny, but when a man says the same thing, less skillfully than we did, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody boxed towards what they said, even though it was your idea. Right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network.
All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. One of the things that, uh, Gina, I always thought it was interesting uh, is that uh, your dad did not just want to hang around people his age. Um, it was always uh, interesting uh, where he would, he would, he wanted to be in the mix where the young folks were, where the next generation was in, uh, in, his do in the documentary. Uh, he talked about calling the meeting of the elders in Atlanta uh, and saying uh, in the midst of it, basically, the issues that we need to solve ain't going to be solved by the people in this room because they ran their race. Uh, and, and so he, um, he then said he had to go beyond that room and, and go out and uh, talk to the others and seek the others and communicate with the others in, in the next generation. And, and one of the folks uh, who he did that with uh, was Philip Agnew, co-director of Black Men Build, also with the Dream Defenders. Uh, Philip has been in Cuba. Uh, we couldn't, couldn't get him there uh, until we could actually finally reach him today. He joins us uh, on here. Philip, you were with the Dream Defenders when Mr. B heard about what y'all were doing, and he didn't just send you a video saying, hey, uh, great job. He said, no, I want to be with them, and literally travel to Florida as y'all were there sitting in uh, the state capitol. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one, thank you for having me. Uh, even in Cuba, uh, the name Harry Belafonte was spoken in high regard from the president. Um, and from a number of folks there in the government who remember his contributions a world away. Um, Mr. B uh, always had a way of wrapping us up uh, in history, wrapping us up in an in, uh, inescapable arc of justice that he was a part of. And he came and he was with us in the Capitol. He wasn't just a person, as you said, who spoke from afar, who talked from afar. Mr. B was always there on the ground as often as possible. And what he did was he not only was there as a, 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 a symbol of the long arc of justice that we were all a part of, but he gave you a level of encouragement and a level of belief in what you were doing and what I was doing, what we were doing, that nobody else could. You thought to yourself, Mr. Belafonte has been there with Nelson. He's been there with Martin. He's been there with Malcolm. He's been there all over the world at different points in our history to create this moment. And if Mr. Belafonte thinks it's that important that he will come to Florida or he'll come to wherever you are, you knew you were on the right path. You were on the right track. Um, and that's just a testament to his spirit, to his smile, to his indomitable charisma. Um, and it is a great honor of my life that I've been a small part of the journey that is Mr. Belafonte's life. Gina, uh, uh, Philip made the point about Cuba. I mean, the hip-hop community in Cuba uh, is absolutely indebted to him because Fidel Castro would not allow rappers to do what they do. And when your dad traveled there, he told Fidel Castro, let the artists practice their art. And then he comes back the next year and they thank him uh, because it was him intervening directly with Fidel Castro that allowed Cuban rappers and Cuban hip-hop artists to be able to do what they do in that country. So he wasn't afraid to even tell a Castro, hey, man. <laughs>
Lighten up. Right. <laughs> right. Because I think, I mean, first of all, hello, Philip. It's such a pleasure to see you. Let me just say that. And also, um, yeah, you know, I think my father really, you know, believed in humanity and he was dealing with humans. And so I think that, you know, he understood that, you know, the Cuban revolution had places to grow. Um, and he did his best to maintain relations through culture um, and bring art and culture to the island and reciprocate a cultural exchange. And I think that, you know, when he heard the young people um, rapping, you know, a lot of people don't know that Harry was the uh, producer of Beat Street, and he was very much in tune and up to date with our own current, like, scene, music and cultural scene. And Harry was sort of like, an, when you think about hip-hop, when you think about what hip-hop means, and it sometimes means a different thing to different people, but one thing about hip-hop is authenticity and originality, and Harry was all those things. And so he understood the importance of how culture needed to not be um, suppressed and that he wanted to ensure that young people everywhere had an opportunity to express their um, identity and express themselves. And so, yeah, he told Fidel that there were some young artists that he came in contact with that had no place to cultivate their craft and and really work on their craft, and that it is important, especially if you want to, as he always used to say to us, win them to your cause. Okay. So in some ways, he may have counseled Fidel to say, listen, if you want to win them to your cause, you need to help support their work and what they want to do as well. So I don't know the exact things that he said to him, but I know, because I also, also have been to Cuba, and when you say that name, Belafonte, there are a lot of young people and artists who say, oh, you know, you know, he was so instrumental in giving us our own, you know, liberation within the confines of our movement here. And, uh, yes, yeah, so he was not afraid. He was just not. Um, Philip, uh, that, that just for folks, again, what was the like when, when he literally shows up? And I yeah. remember, I th and there were, and other media outlets started doing interviews. They were kind of like, "What is this? What is this old black man doing here with all these young kids?" Because the Dream Defenders really, really became nationally prominent in the wake of the death of Trayvon Martin, the murder of Trayvon Martin. Uh, mm -hmm. But, but for you, uh, this, 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 this young whippersnapper down there making all this noise, uh, <laughs> and, and to see this figure. Uh, come there to stand with stand with uh, y'all had to be uh, quite surreal. Uh, absolutely. Uh, once again, you uh, as a young person in the movement, what I recall was always feelings of unsurety, uncertainty. Yeah, we had the youthful exuberance. Yeah, we knew we were in a we were doing what was right and we were standing up for what was right. But consistently, the doubt creeps in. Are we in the right moment? Are we doing the right thing? Are we making our our our, our folks proud? Um, do we know what's going to come next? Mr. Belafonte coming there quieted all doubt internally. 
that we were in the right moment, that we were the right people for the moment, that no matter what happened next, that this moment was ours, and that once again, we were a part of a long trajectory of freedom fighters the world over. And, and it's interesting, you so, said- so he, uh, did, so he did what Gina said earlier. He validated yeah. y'all work or gave you the step of approval. He, he gave you the Herr Belafonte seal of approval. Yes. Because I want to, I want, I want this to be known. Yeah, there were people saying, "Why is this old guy coming?" But overwhelmingly, people were wondering, "What are the? Who are these people? Who are these kids?" And when he came in, people understood that we weren't just loud, but we had a level of thought and analysis, and that we had a plan, and that we were legitimate actors in the in the in the in the long arc of history. That we 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 weren't just young whippersnappers. That we had connections, frankly. That we were connected with somebody who you know who had stood with Malcolm, stood with Martin, stood with Ella, stood with folks the world over, over and over, and consistent consistently was on the side of good. And so for us, he was that stamp of approval, and really. To this day, we are still emboldened with that stamp. You know, I'm still incredibly grateful for the private conversations that we've been able to have, and and I and, and will carry those with me for the rest of my life. And it was that public um, standing alongside us that burnished our reputation and allowed us to continue to do our work. Uh, Gina, uh, yes, you saw that take place with Philip and the Dream Defenders and then just so many other people. Uh, but, but also speak on how he also challenged these younger artists, uh, these yeah. actors, these musicians to say, you can be doing a hell of a lot more than what you're doing right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he worked in very mysterious ways and some sometimes, you know, I remember I remember the work with the Dream Defenders in the very, very early days when he came back from that trip. And we were just also at the same time form, forming Sankofa. And, um, you know, the Dream Defenders came to us to, for their support. And we immediately said, you know, let's let's why don't we do this? Let's send you all to Highlander. Yeah. You know, let's 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 finance an opportunity for you all to come together to actually create that strategy that Philip was discussing and talking about and also give a political education to some of the other folks that are around you that may not quite be as hip to what's happening so that you can educate your peers so that you guys can take that deeper dive. And he wanted to do that same thing with artists, many artists looked at Harry like he was just an anomaly, like they didn't get, how were you able to be so outspoken? How were you able to do what you do and did what you did and still maintain your, your career and still maintain your, um, your, your level of, of celebrity? And I think, you know, there are a couple of things to be said about that. Certainly it was a different time. We did not have the same kind of technology. The cancel culture, so to speak, was not quite as hot as it is here. The cancel culture came from the government predominantly. And, you know, while my father was in some ways blacklisted and um, fired from jobs that he no longer wanted to participate in if they had to be of a certain way, you know, he um, was able to be authentic and true to his voice. And so he wanted to find a way to engage young artists 
in an opportunity to understand that there are strategic ways that you can use your platform to educate and uh, your audiences and that you can bring your audiences um, in to let them know about what are some of the things that are happening around you, whether it's through your lyrics, whether it's through the music you choose to sing, whether it's, you know, documentaries or the films or the stories you choose to tell, you know, not everyone has to be on a front line. That's not for everybody, but there is a space and a place for all of us to show up and to participate. And I think that he wanted to really let young artists and all artists know that there's work to do and we all have an opportunity to participate. Philip, um, you talked about a lot of those conversations. Um, there were obviously there were a lot of things that you can remember, but what's that one thing that stands out the most? Oh, that's mm. hard. You, know, you you might stump me here. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be a good alpha if I didn't. You know what? You know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, and I, now I got to be a beta new alpha here, fam. You alpha and and and, and respond. Um, you know what? Because right now I've got to be genuine and authentic with what comes to mind. What I will always remember about every conversation that I've ever had with Mr. B was how intently he listened to me. I'm trying right now to recall some pearl that he told me, and I actually have a bunch of stuff recorded on my phone, Gina, from conversations that I've had with Mr. B and Danny. But the biggest thing that will always stick with me was sitting in a room with Mr. B and watching him look me in the eyes and listen to what I had to say intently, intently. He would, he wouldn't, you know, he, he would lean over, Gina, you know about this, and he would just be listening. And I remember I would get done with a rant and I would get, get done with saying something that I thought was smart but really didn't feel quite sure about. And he would always look at and he would ask the most insightful questions and he would want to pull more. And he he made me know and feel that there was a brilliance inside of me. That's the biggest thing that I will remember. Yeah, there were quotes him always saying I'm better than I deserve and him giving us the quotes from Paul Robeson that artists are the gatekeepers to truth. And, you know, all the different things that at some point almost became repetitive because it was just a part of who he was. But it was how much he listened and how much he really edified the words that each one of us said. And some of us might have been saying some silly stuff. I know I might have been saying some things that weren't <laughs> the most well-researched and didn't come from a whole wealth of experience. But he listened, and he told us that um, what we had to say meant something, and it was worthy. And even if we weren't always precise, we had to say it. It had to be said. And so that's the big thing that I can recall for you that is genuine and authentic is the biggest thing that will always land on me is I knew when I spoke with Mr. B, he wasn't going to talk the whole time. He was going to require that I spoke up and he was going to listen and he was going to respond with the level of insight and questions and interrogation and curiosity that made him who he is and who he was. Frat, I appreciate it, my brother. Philip, thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Folks. Love you, Gina. Love you back, brother. Thank you. Going to our final break, we will come back, uh, conclude our conversation with Gina Belafonte. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. On the next Get Well.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, nurses are the backbone of the healthcare industry, and yet only 7% of them are Black. What's the reason for that low number? Well, a lack of opportunities and growth in their profession. Joining us on the next Get Wealthy is Needy Bartonilla. She's going to be sharing exactly what nurses need to do and what approach they need to take to take ownership of their success. So the Black Nurse Collaborative really spawned from a place and a desire to create opportunities to uplift each other, those of us in the profession, to also look and reach back and create, and create pipelines and opportunities for other nurses like us. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punch! It's a real um, revolutionary right now. I thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
right, folks, uh, welcome back um, for final segment um, with Gina Belafonte, uh, one of the children of Harry Belafonte, uh, who uh, became an ancestor April 25th. Uh, and so, um, Gina, um, th this is a photo here. Um, you, um, yours, your, your father, your sister leaving uh, Capitol Hill. Um, after a lobbying. And, and, and the thing uh, that I thought that was great, first of all, with that photo, is that, uh, one, the smiles on the face of you, your sister Sherry, your father. Uh, and uh, we mentioned Fidel Castro, but, but this is a man, this, he was a man who had no problem challenging power and pushing folk to do right. Uh, my first actual encounter was when I had to edit a piece in Savoy Magazine, a Q&A, Roy Johnson was editor-in-chief, and I had to whack some stuff, and I was like, man, I, ain't, I, I run all of it. This is pre-internet, so we couldn't do that. Um, and and he, look, he had no problem challenging President Barack Obama. Um, and, and so it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what your position was. He fully expected more of political leaders. Yes, of course. I mean, there's so much to do. There's so many laws to pass. I mean, you know, the uh, our democracy is an experiment. I feel like the capitalist American experience is an experiment, and we're all sort of <laughs> in the Petri dish together. Um, and I think that he wanted to ensure that we were using our democracy to our fullest and making sure that, you know, if— if we are now considered humans, uh, along with other people, then we're, the laws need to reflect um, our rights. And he, you know, wanted to push those boundaries. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's important to note that, you know, Harry was asked to run for office. He was asked to run for Senate. And he knew that he could be far more um, effective in the private sector than as an unelected official. So, you know, he maintained his, um, you know, private citizen status and he used his platform, he used his space, he used his intellect, he used his relationships and his network to do his best to not only assist in getting people elected that he thought shared his own personal mission, but that were people, you know, getting people elected that were, you know, our neighbors, our, our people who live down the block, you know, he, he made it very clear that we, the people, or power to the people, meant that we needed to infiltrate the system and that we needed to, once we were in the system, um, tear down the machine and instill a more human approach to our existence. And we're still working on that. You know, we we have the confines of our government to work within a structure that was built, as people say, the founding fathers. I say, you know, the founding, you know, misogynists. But anyway, um, it's important just to understand that our human existence needs to evolve. We need to grow and we need to grow from our humanness, not from what the constitution states. The constitution is a guide for us. It was, it's a jumping off point. And, it, you know, for the most part, it did its best to be inclusive in what it knew at that moment. 
But now it's important for us to take our moral center, our ethics, and our humanity and really create a world where there is true equity and there is true love and there is true, you know, caring for thy neighbor. And um, I think he was hopeful that we would continue to work and chip away at this experiment to make it better for future generations. If we can hold on to the planet long enough that we can have future generations. Last uh, question here. Um, Sankofa, oh, will mm -hmm. that be, obviously there was, there was so many things that he was uh, involved in, but, but clearly creating that uh, with you um, is also part of his lasting legacy uh, because that continues, that, 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 that will continue uh, to move forward. Absolutely. Uh, Sankofa.org is um, an organization that really sits at the intersection of art and activism. And so um, it continues to do that today. We have incredible programs. We have civics programs in, in the arts with uh, young people making films and educating them, themselves peer-to-peer -peer on different civic issues. We have a a really interesting um, virtual reality um, re-entry program that we work with formerly incarcerated and incarcerated men and women, and we give them virtual reality experiences that help quell some of their trauma triggers upon coming home so that they don't recidivate. Um, we are uh, always working with new talent and finding new stories and new plays. Um, we're hopefully taking our wonderful lyrics from lockdown to Broadway um, soon. Um, and we'll, it'll all be in the legacy of, um, of my dad and the mission forward. You know, we came up with that mission together. Um, along with Raul Roach, who was the son of another great, you know, very progressive musician, Max Roach. And we built Sankofa in the belief that it could be eternal, that really it is um, culture that really leads in very many ways um, trends and the way in which that we, you know, work with one another moving forward. So Sankofa is really moving along. We're strong and we're excited to continue the work. Well, Gina, we appreciate you joining us um, uh, and sitting and chatting with us uh, for this hour to, um, uh, to celebrate and talk about and share um, with the rest of the world, uh, your father. Um, Andrew Young said something to me about Dr. King that I think certainly applies. He said, he said, Martin may not physically be with us, but the reality is he's being talked about every single day. One of the things that we've seen over the past uh, 10 days is that so many people have been posting photos and memories and sharing thoughts uh, uh, with regards to your dad, what he meant when they crossed paths with him. Uh, and, and there's no doubt the things that he was involved with uh, will continue to be talked about uh, from here to eternity. That's what it means to have uh, a life of impact. And it's a whole lot that he did in those 96 years. That's true. That's true. And also, let me just say, you know, um, there are a lot of spaces and places where my father has... Um, embedded his mark. Sankofa.org is one of those places. The Gathering for Justice certainly is another. My sister has a foundation called the Anir Foundation, which is an incredible foundation. My brother is soon to launch his own personal 
Belafonte Family Foundation. Um, my other sister, while she doesn't have her own, she does a lot of work with the Lily Claire Foundation. So we're all, um, you know, whether he's literally founded the organization with us or whether we are just extensions of what he instilled in us, there of the Dream Defenders or, you know, wherever it is, I think of all of the places where he sat on boards, and uh, whether it was actual boards or advisory boards, whether it had to do with AIDS, HIV crisis, or whether it had to do with the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, or there's just so many places, the Advancement Project. Um, there, you know, he really, really um, wanted people to know and understand that he supported many different movements in the, for the civil rights movement, many different roads and avenues within the movement itself. He wanted to ensure that people had opportunities and spaces and places where they could choose what was most authentic to them to support, to help continue rise, to raise up, and to, to be a part of. So my thing is always to encourage other people to get involved and to find something that is authentic to you, to find a way that you can also participate and carry the legacy forward. Well, that is certainly the case, uh, and uh, he um, he definitely, uh, I, I enjoyed uh, our time together, uh, having fun, uh, and uh, this uh, is one of the photos of the last sit-down we had uh, in his office where we had way too much fun uh, cracking jokes uh, and, and having a good time, and so uh, he certainly uh, will be missed, uh, but we absolutely will remember him uh, and as long as uh, this show uh, is here, as long as uh, I am here, uh, that portrait will always be uh, in our studio uh, where we would pay respects uh, to your dad and what he meant uh, to, uh, to me, but also to uh, African-Americans, to this country and to this world. Thank you, Roland. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Dear our condolences to your family. Uh, Gina you. Belafonte, thanks a lot. Peace. Folks, that is it for us uh, this weekend. Uh, we are going to live stream, we're going to restream the two one-on-one interviews that I did with Mr. B uh, when I was at TV One. Uh, we'll have that for you. Uh, and also, I've not shared with you when we, uh, some other uh, videos, when he accepted the award from the RFK Foundation. We're going to have that for you on Monday. And also at the Mini Rivers Festival, he actually sang he actually sang, and I recorded the video uh, on stage. He sang that night, and that was the first time he had sang publicly in a very, very long time. Uh, and then uh, we'll have that for you uh, as well. Folks, that's it for us. We appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, we'll see you on Monday right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Support us in what we do. Uh, download our app. Also, uh, you can also join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so you can uh, join us right there. And when you support us, you get your name uh, on the list that we run every single Friday. Thank you so very much. I'll see you all on Monday. Holla!
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.